This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me. Today's show is a story of hope, strength, and positivity. It's about how one young man turned his own life story into a message of inspiration. Joining me today is Xander Zatilny. He is a 12-year-old boy who has overcome a rare heart condition. He is using his voice to give back and raise money so that children's hospitals across the country can help more children. Welcome to my show, Xander. Thank you for having me. You're doing such amazing work, and you're making a difference in the lives of so many. You're bringing awareness to a rare disease. Your motivation is from your own story. Can you share with listeners a little bit about yourself and the obstacles you've had to overcome? My name is Xander Zatoni. I was born with uh, a rare heart condition called truncus arteriosus, and I had my first open heart when I was 22 days old. It was very, very hard for me and my family, but I have fought through all the surgeries and, you know, I'm doing very well now. I'm stable. I'm playing sports. And right now I'm just honestly just a regular kid. If you hadn't had the surgery, would you not have survived? I'd probably be dead right now. And so you've had to have three surgeries in total in order for you to be where you are today. Yeah. So three open heart and about eight just regular surgeries. And so you said you're just a regular kid, so you're active, you're playing so many sports. Has this always been the case, or were there, was there a time when you weren't able to play sports like some of your friends? The recovery process, that was very hard, so I wasn't able to, you know, play sports for about a month or two after my surgery. Yeah, after the recovery process, which was very hard, after that, I was just a regular kid, like I said, and I, you know, started to play sports again. You could still see me getting, you know, more tired and, and easier easier than everybody else. And have you ever felt limited, like that you're different from other kids your age because of this rare disease? Some people have a scar on their face. Some people have a scar on their toe. Some people have a scar on their arm. And they're all regular people. I just have a scar on my chest in a different spot than everybody else, and it's just a re- I'm just a regular kid. <laughs> I love that, and that's such a great example and a great analogy, and it is the absolute truth. Now, I have a 15-year-old boy, and when he was 12, and actually now that he's 15, he's still playing PS4 and gaming, but you seem like you're a very busy boy. Do you still have time for that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I... Yeah, I still have a lot of time for gaming. I love playing games with my friends. I love playing NHL. I love playing sports games. It's what I like. It's just part of my life. I I just, you know, uh, after supper, I'll sit down with my friends, go on a call, play some PS4. Recently, you started to give back and raise awareness. Why did you decide to do that? First of all, hospitals are great. All the hospitals are great. All the nurses are great. And so what they've done for me, they like they've saved my life, right? So that was absolutely amazing. So I want to give back. It's the least I, it's the least I could do because I'm like I mean, yeah, I'm twelve years old and so this is basically my way of giving back uh for the hospitals. 
I think that's so great, and I think it's awesome that you're trying to help the hospitals, and you're the perfect advocate for that. So in January of this year, you began a cross-country tour to interview players of the seven uh, Canadian hockey teams. How many cities have you been to? I've been to six, so next month I'm doing Vancouver, and I fin- I finished my tour. Oh, wow, good for you. And so who are some of the hockey players you were able to interview? I was able to interview... Tim Stutzel, Brady Kachuk, Josh Anderson, Nikolai Ewers, and Darnell Nurse and Matthew Kachuk. Awesome. So what was it like for you to interview these athletes? Does it give you a sense of accomplishment that you're achieving what you set out to do? Yes, because as soon as I get, as soon as I finish my last question, and as soon as I get that answer and the interviews finish, I'm just like, wow, I, I did it. It's That was an amazing interview because all of the interviews are great. They're all so down to earth. They're so nice. They're just regular people who just, I say this a lot in my interviews. Um, they're like celebrities, every celebrity. They're just a regular person. Like say you see a person walking down the street. They're just exactly like that person. They're a regular person. They just took a different path in life to get to where they are today. And you know what? You make such a good point because we often look at other people and think that they are different than us because of fame, fortune. But you're right. At the end of the day, we are all just regular people and you're just a regular kid trying to do amazing things. Now, you also have a podcast and it's really created a buzz. You've interviewed guests like Matthew McConaughey, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, John Stamos, which are all three of my favorites what was that like for you they were all so great all of them were like i say all of them were down to earth they were so nice they all had a very nice message to tell and a great piece of advice and they were they were just amazing they were awesome and so what was one piece of advice and i'm not trying to throw you for a loop here but what was one piece of advice that any of your guests have given you that really stuck to you it was Matthew McConaughey's, and it was make every opportunity a green light. That, like you could, you could have had something bad happened in the past, but you could also change that, make it a green light, and make all your opportunities in the future green lights. That is such great advice, and I'm not surprised that it came from Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> so, who would you like to interview next? Probably Austin Matthews, and I would love to interview him because he is all. He also supports. Uh, helps and supports kids, which I love. It's very, very, very nice of him. A lot of NHLers do that, but he is very focused on that as well. Okay, well, I'm sure everybody's going to do their best to get you an interview with Austin Matthews. Xander, you've been through so much. You're only 12 years old, but you have such an amazing attitude, such positive energy, and you have accomplished so much. What is next for you? I hope to continue this podcast, which I will do. I don't. I have no idea where it's going to go in the future, but I will still continue to support Children's Health because I feel like that's what I was born to do, and just to you know support Children's Health, bring awareness. Like I said, I have no idea where this podcast is going to go, but I hope it's. I hope it's successful. And I hope I do a lot of great things with it. I don't want to focus on your health, but I feel like it's important for listeners to know that, you know, you have faced many obstacles. You've had many surgeries, and I'm sure the recovery isn't easy. But are you expected to undergo any more surgeries? 
Absolutely. I will have a lot of surgeries in the future. I will probably have a couple more open heart surgeries in the future. My doctors, my surgeon said, uh, you know, the next time I'll have an open heart will probably be when I have a when I have a wife, which is in a long, long time. Oh, so that's, could, uh, that's yeah. amazing. Okay, so you have a few years to go before you might have to undergo another surgery which means that you have a lot of time to get all of your things accomplished. Do you see yourself maybe working in the healthcare field when you're an adult? I also want to be a doctor oh. when I grow up. So uh, a heart surgeon to be specific. And uh, it's going to be very, very hard to be a doctor <laughs> or a surgeon and have a podcast on the side. But uh, so yeah, that's what I'm basically hoping to do in the future. If you had to leave listeners with one word of encouragement or something that could you think might change the lives of listeners, what would that be? Honestly, just keep, you know, just keep pushing through it. And because I, it was so hard at some points. It was, you know, um, I felt like my podcast wasn't doing well sometimes. I felt like my health wasn't do, wasn't well sometimes. I fought through all of that and my health is very is very well right now like I said before and my podcast I feel like it's doing very well so just better things will happen in the future I I promise you that just wait and see That is such great advice and do you want to give a shout out to your mom dad and your sister for helping you with your health your life and all of your goals that you're accomplishing so far Yes, I want to shout out. Yeah, my mom, my dad, my parents, my sister. Uh, she helped me through a lot. My um, my school because they um, have a lot. They gave me a lot of encouragement to keep going. Uh, Holy Trinity, that's the school name, and Saint Anne, my elementary school, because they also did a lot. And uh, so yeah, just my friends, my family, the hospitals. Every if I was like if I didn't have any of those, I wouldn't be here. I love that, Xander. Thank you so much for joining me today. If listeners want to learn more about you or um, help you out in any way, how can they do that? Yeah, so they could visit my website, xanderzatomi dot com. Um, I'm on Spotify, YouTube. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Apple. I'm on yeah. I'm on a bunch of. Um, I'm on a bunch of. Uh, websites. So you could just go, if you want to, you know, go to my website, it's xanderzatomi.com. And it's a great website. Website I visited it myself. Xander, once again, thank you so much, and we wish you all the best of luck in accomplishing all of your goals. Thank you very much for having me. When we come back, National Caregivers Day is April 5th, and our caregivers need support now more than ever. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. We all know that the pandemic has caused many people to suffer from mental, physical, and emotional strain. Caregivers are among the most affected by the stress of the pandemic. April 5th is National Caregiver Day, and joining me is Amy Kupal. She is the CEO of the Ontario Caregivers Organization. Welcome to the show, Amy. 
Thanks so much for having me. So Amy, can you tell us a little bit about the Ontario Caregivers Organization? I'd be happy to. So the Ontario Caregiver Organization, sometimes referred to as OCO, exists to improve the lives of family caregivers. So there are 4 million caregivers in the province of Ontario, and we know that more than half of them, 58%, are burnt out. They're struggling in their role and they need support. So that's why we exist, providing free programs, services, including a 24-7 caregiver helpline, as Ontario caregivers with one place to go to find resources in their community. We also have peer support programs, group counselling, and one-to-one coaching, as well as webinars on a variety of topics, and much more. Let's define the caregiver role. So these are individuals who are caring for friends, family members, neighbours, and often many of them have full-time jobs. That's right. So we are talking about unpaid caregivers, people who have made this commitment to provide support to a family member, a partner, a friend or a neighbor who may have a physical and or a mental health condition. And many people who take on this caregiving role don't think of themselves as caregivers. They see themselves as doing what needs to be done or honoring their commitment to the person in their lives. But the reality is that many caregivers are investing more than 10 hours a week to provide that care and balancing that, as you pointed out, with working full-time, part-time, raising a family or any other commitments that they might have. And they need help. They need support. Because they need support emotionally, physically. But if those caregivers that are working full-time are also struggling with managing all of that, what are some of the ways that we can get employers to help these caregivers? We see that talking about working caregivers means both talking with working caregivers and with their employers. So we want working caregivers to have tools and strategies that they can use to talk with their employers about their caregiving responsibilities and potentially some of the flexibility that they might need in their role. But we also want employers to understand and really see the evidence that Supporting employees who are caregivers can be a win-win. It can help them to be successful at work. It can help them to be successful in, in their caregiving responsibilities. And there are some very easy tools and strategies that employers can use to support those working caregivers. And people can learn more about that uh, on, on caregivers in the workplace on our website at ontariocaregiver.ca forward slash workplace. I love that, the fact that they can find the resources to help their employees so that the employees can actually help the people in their community, friends, family. But it's also striking to me that 53% of these caregivers will not reach out and ask for help. Why is that? This is something we've been exploring recently to understand what are those barriers for caregivers and, and why are they not doing this? And so what we've learned is that caregivers are afraid of being judged of being pitied, and sometimes being rejected by people within their community for a variety of different reasons. There is a stigma related to caregiving. Some people are concerned that it might make the situation worse. There are feelings of guilt or overwhelm, and it's very complex. This is what we've heard from caregivers over and over again, is that you know, sometimes it's easier not to reach out for help and to take care of things themselves. But what we also see is if caregivers don't have the support that they need for their physical health, for their mental health, and to really sustain themselves in this caregiving role, it can catch up with them. And we want to help prevent that. 
Why is it that things, you know, during the pandemic and now that we're slowly climbing out of the pandemic, why is it that these caregivers are feeling more burdened, the financial strain? What exactly has happened over the course of the last few years to cause this um, uprise in, you know, caregivers feeling overwhelmed? So our annual research report called Spotlight has explored the impact of COVID on caregivers. And certainly what we saw in in last year and increasingly over the last two years is that caregivers have felt the burden of caregiving at an even greater level. And sometimes that's been about concerns related to infection prevention and control. Sometimes that's been how isolation has impacted caregivers and the people that they care for even more greatly than the broader population. And sometimes it's been about the concerns that they have around healthcare worker shortages or access to treatments, surgeries, etc. So there's a lot of complexity, and this has been one of the things that we've been working on with caregivers, but also with our partners in healthcare and and many system partners to ensure that caregivers are recognized as partners in care and that we see that the contribution that they're making for the individual that they care for is actually part of our broader society and it needs to be recognized and it needs to be supported. The caregiver really is the point of contact for everything else that's going on in the other individual's life. So when you talk about partners in care, are you referring to caring for an individual that has doctor's appointments and follow-up appointments? Are we talking about getting somebody to assist them in creating those appointments and talk to them about what the person who's being cared for requires? That can definitely be a part of it. And we know many caregivers do that sort of project management or care coordination that includes booking appointments, coordinating appointments, maybe arranging for travel to appointments if that's necessary, or even taking the person that they care for to those appointments. It can include so many different things, whether that's around ensuring that the the essentials of life are uh, taken care of for an individual that feeding and bathing and and living expenses and circumstances are taken care of. And sometimes they're also doing medical kinds of things, medication management or at-home treatments that need to be taken care of. Caregivers are so diverse and the kinds of caregiving that they're doing can also be very diverse. So what we'd like to see is that in those conversations with healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, physiotherapists, anyone who is working with a patient or a resident, that they are recognizing that that caregiver is a part of the team. They're helping this person to have the best possible physical and mental health outcomes. And it's so important to be assisting the caregiver in getting all of this done. Now, April 5th is National Caregiver Day. Um, So tell me a little bit about what we can do as a community, as employers, as, you know, friends and family of caregivers. What can we do to assist the caregivers and make them feel and understand that they are so appreciated? One of the things that caregivers have told us consistently is that those acts of kindness and recognition make a huge difference. And they can be simple things. They can be bringing a cup of coffee or offering to walk the dog or making sure that the plants are watered. It's it's those acts of kindness that don't have to be requested. So, you know, we were talking earlier about stigma for caregivers, and it can be tough sometimes to ask for help. But if someone 
drops off food or offers to take care of something that they know is important in this person's life that might not be otherwise taken care of, that makes a big difference. So on National Caregiver Day, we invite people to reach out to the caregivers in their lives, to think about who those people might be, and also to connect with the kinds of resources that we have at the Ontario Caregiver Organization. And you can visit our website at ontariocaregiver.ca to learn about all the programs, the support, and a wealth of information that we have for caregivers and the people in their lives. Caregivers, the ones we're referring to, are completely unpaid. They're doing this to help a family, friend, neighbor, anybody. But sometimes I feel like, you know, some individuals may not even realize that they're actually being a caregiver. So for those people who are caring and helping a friend, a neighbor, and trying to organize their health and well-being, they may not know about the resources that the OCO has to offer. So how can we encourage more people to go to the website, see what there is out there, and see how they can get assistance? Well, it would be great if people wanted to follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also have a number of ads that are coming out in local papers related to National Caregiving Day and through the spring. So we've heard from many caregivers that a friend or neighbor will show up with that ad or an insert information for caregivers and say, hey, I think this might be for you. So if you know someone in your life who is caring for someone who might be facing a physical challenge, whether that's a lifelong challenge or a a recent diagnosis or circumstance that they're facing, or if you know someone who's providing care for someone with a, a mental health issue, then reach out to them and say, you know, you might, this might be for you. We find that those recommendations and those referrals really make a difference. And then to follow us on social media, to visit our website, and if you have specific questions, to call our 24-7 helpline. That could be the caregiver themselves or that other person in their life to say, hey, I think these might be useful to us, and we can connect with you and see what supports are relevant in, in that situation. I'm wondering, National Caregiver Day, April 5th, is how many years has this been a day to recognize caregivers? Is it the first, second, tenth annual Caregiver Day? This has been going on for many years, and we are very excited to be rolling this out with our provincial colleagues across the country, as well as national colleagues. So this is recognized across the country in different ways. And we also have partnerships with some uh, municipalities here in Ontario as well. There are 4 million caregivers that feel burnt out. How many, approximately, how many caregivers are there um, in Ontario? Ah, so I'll clarify that. It's 4 million caregivers in the province of Ontario. 58% of them feel burnt out. So we have more than half, more than 2 million of those 4 million caregivers are feeling burnt out. And what we see is that that starts with overwhelm, frustration, fatigue, anxiety. And without practical support where it might be sharing the caregiving responsibilities or direct supports for caregivers, then that can lead to that burnout. So now we have more than half of Ontario's caregivers feeling burnt out. And the risk is they won't be able to continue in that caregiving role. And then we'll face a real question of how do these people they care for 
get the supports that they need. So this is really something we should collectively be focused on and exploring because caregivers are really important in our society, not just in the individual lives of the people that they care for, but for all of us. I feel like it should be a huge community effort and it does cause, you know, a cycle of caregiving not being, you know, rolled out properly. So somebody's not receiving the care. And then if they're stressed out, then they're not performing the duties of their full-time work properly if you know, for those of them that are working. So I feel like all around, it's just really important to support one another. And if we learned anything from the pandemic, we learned that standing together and uh, trying to make a difference is hugely important. When we think about working caregivers, when we think about caregivers who are a part of that sandwich generation, where, for example, they may be caring for one of their own parents and their own young children, people are feeling stretched. And we have to find ways that we can manage that stress and manage that stretch so that people can continue to care for their families, both their young children, their older parents, and and do the things that are fulfilling for them in their lives. We don't want caregivers to get burnt out and not be able to be fully engaged in all the things that are important to them. I'll give you an example of my own situation. So I have, you know, young teenagers and I also have aging parents and thank goodness for now they're, you know, self-sufficient and on their own, but they're starting to need more assistance in getting certain things done, having prescriptions filled and getting to doctor's appointments. And I have to tell you, um, it, it, it can be a struggle because, you know, we try to separate the responsibility. But what if you don't have a team or family members who can help you? I can see where the stress and the burnout comes because I'm constantly worrying about when is the next doctor's appointment, who can take him or her. So I can see that the struggle would be significant. You fall into that sandwich generation and you're asking a super important question about what we would call the circle of care. And so whether it's about multiple siblings in a family, whether it's about different family or community members, it's great to have that conversation to say, who can do what? You know, there may only be one person who can organize the appointments, but perhaps there are others who can help people to get to appointments. Or maybe people can help take care of other things like snow shoveling, for example. So, you know, looking at that circle of care, engaging people who want to help and finding different types of contributions that they can make can help share the responsibility across a a wider group of people. Because if it's all falling to one person, kind of like you just described, then it really means that person is shouldering a huge burnout. And that's sometimes when we hear from caregivers saying, I'm doing it all and I don't know if I can continue to do that. And that's exactly how I would be feeling if I were fully immersed in that caregiving role. So I am so thankful that we have April 5th as National Caregiver Day. And I'm so honored that I got to introduce listeners to the OCO. And I can't thank you enough for joining me today. So if listeners want to learn more about the services, the options, the different, you know, peer support groups, e-learning options, how can they do that? The best thing to do is to visit our website at ontariocaregiver.ca. We have the information for our 24-7 helpline as well as a live chat. You can also find our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram handles. We are happy to connect with caregivers to really look at what are the particularities of your circumstance and how can we help. So take a look at the information on the website and reach out to us. Thank you so much. 
And you can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Michaela or my website, ClaudiaMichaela.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.